This is a Bible study podcast for the women's ministry of Second Baptist Church in Malvern, Arkansas. You can learn more about our church at secondbaptistmalvern.org. Hello and happy Friday. Halfway, guys. You are halfway through our Advent plan. Only two more weeks of reading left. And yes, that also means only two weeks left until Christmas. So now is when you're either sitting pretty with all of your shopping and your wrapping done, or you're beginning to experience a a little bit of anxiety because there's still so much to do. Um, I'm definitely in the latter category, so um, I am preaching to myself here a little bit that this is why it is all the more important to make sure that we are making time to stop, take a second, breathe, and remember that in all the craziness and all the expectations of the season, if the only thing you do, if the only thing I do this season is find a way to share the love of God with others, to make sure that my children and my family and my friends and those that I come in contact with, to make sure that they they know that God's love is there for them and they know the truth of what we're celebrating now, then then I've won. That that is that is the most important thing. There is no tradition. There is no uh, activity of this season that is more important than making sure that we are spreading God's love and the truth of God's love for all mankind and the hope that he has given in sending his son for us. That is our most important thing, which leads me to we're starting week three this week. I'm so excited for you guys to get started on this with us. Um, real quick, let's do just do a backup to make sure that we're all caught up from week two, because if you recall, week two was the, the week that I said you're going to do a lot of reading. Um, I would say I'm sorry about all of that, but I'm not because guys, wasn't it fantastic? If you go to our church um, and you get a chance to talk to Miss Peggy about the feast, I highly encourage you to do that. There was so much information, so much goodness that that we had to cut from all of the all the things that we read last week. That I would encourage you to just have a few minutes and go talk to her and see. Uh, what else she can tell you about those um those parts of scripture that we looked at because it's just, it's fantastic stuff. So last week when uh when you were going through week 2's information on the feast you got to see how each feast pointed to a different part of God's redemptive plan. Uh, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits, for example, all form a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. The Feast of Weeks was a foreshadowing of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The gap in time between the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Trumpets is a picture for us of the, the church age where we, that's you and me, that's us right now, we as God's people are to be working, bringing in the harvest. And then the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booth at the, the end of the calendar were all a picture for us of events around Jesus's second coming. It was so good, wasn't it? Um, but we're not done yet. There's good stuff in week three as well. You know, in the first week 
where we we started, we were looking at light and we saw that Jesus coming is the the light and the darkness. God was faithful in his promise to uh, to give a star coming from Judah. Okay. In week two, looking at the feast, we saw that, that God was faithful to fulfill the promises that were that were pictured for us through the feast. And because he was faithful to do what he promised um, in, in the work of Christ while he was here, then we, we have this strong hope. We have a sure hope about the future and what that looks like, which means we live differently now because of what we know is coming in the future. And now in week three, we will look at another way that Jesus is coming demonstrates God's faithfulness to us. This time, we're looking at this through the, the lens of the covenants of Scripture. And oh my goodness, it's so good. You know, uh, in my in my own personal reading, I've been doing a lot of looking at the Psalms lately. And Psalm 111 is one that I just, I keep coming back to because it's a it's a beautiful psalm of praise for um, for all of God's works, for how great the Lord's works are. And at the towards the end of that psalm, in verse nine, it says, "He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name." And I love how in that psalm, where the the psalmist has gone through how great the Lord's work is with creation, how great the Lord's work with was in in his provision for his people. He's he's gone through so many different ways that the works of the Lord are great. And then at the end, he's kind of wrapping up with the greatest of all is he sent redemption to his people and he's commanded his covenant forever, which really demonstrates for us just how important these covenants are. So covenant is a big word in scripture. And when I say big, I don't mean big as in a challenging word or like a $10 seminary word. I mean big as in a major word of importance. It would be hard. It would be really difficult to overstate the importance of covenants in scripture. In fact, understanding the covenants is crucial to understanding scripture. This week's devotional and scripture reading was written by Sharon Paredes, and I I love how her devotional highlights this critical piece of information for us right at the start. In her devotional piece that she wrote that you're going to read on Sunday, she tells us that while we need the promises of the covenants, we are unable to keep the covenant ourselves. But the true treasure of these promises is that they all rest on God keeping covenant, which is great news because he has the ability to do that which we cannot do. So what are the covenants? I'm so glad you asked. The covenants, uh, they really drive the story of scripture. They are how God relates to man. And a, v- a very simple way to define covenants is it's, it's a promise between two or more parties. But covenants are actually a lot more. And in our uh, environments, we can think of covenants like marriage contracts where you've got two parties. Uh, you can have two or more in a covenant, although marriage, you know, is only two. But uh, in covenants, it's two or more parties that enter into a contractual relationship. And there are... Uh, there are terms to that, and it's a, it's an unbreakable thing. So uh, in scripture, you read about covenants being created between men 
like one person to another. There's covenants between kingdoms or uh, like, like political covenants. And then there's covenants between God and man. Those are the ones we're really going to look at. Uh, There are a couple of special things to note about covenants between God and man. And the first is that these are what's called a divinely imposed, which basically means that God is the one setting the terms, not us. We can accept or reject the covenant, but we do not get to negotiate with God. We are not bringing anything to the table here. So God is the one he is, uh, he's creating the covenant. He's the one that is starting or um, instigating the covenant. He's the one setting the terms. And ultimately, as we're going to look at, he's also the one keeping the covenant. We get to say, yes, we're in this covenant or we can reject it, but but that's it. And um, also the covenants with God, these are unchangeable, meaning they are not amended. They are not, uh, they can't be revoked or, you know, things like that. They can be replaced, you know, and as we'll look at, we'll see that there's, you know, that covenants can be replaced or superseded by a new covenant, but we're not changing any covenants that God has already created. And at the center of every single one of these covenant promises of God is the central idea of, I will be your God and you shall be my people. And this is an idea that's repeated many times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament writings. So we are going to be looking at six covenants in week three. And like with the feasts, these are basically introductions to the covenants. Um, Sharon will point your attention to what the covenants were. Um, Sometimes the actual language of the covenant is what we're looking at. Other times we might be looking at kind of what was happening around the time that the covenant was, was, uh, was agreed upon or uh, brought up by God. But, um, but she will also then turn your attention to how Christ is fulfilling the covenant. There is just, there's no way that we can cover every piece of, you know, good thing to know or thing to understand about each one of these covenants. That right there would be, oh, I mean, it would be fantastic, but we would, we would, we would be studying for ages. Okay. So we're just wetting your appetite here. That's all, that's all we're doing with this. We're wetting your appetite and hopefully you want to learn more about this because it's fantastic. But We also just want to make sure that you're seeing that these drivers of the story are also pointing us to what what Christ is doing when he comes. So on, uh, for example, on Monday, we, we kind of start out in the Garden of Eden where God declares a future victory over Satan by the offspring of Eve. This story in Genesis chapter three is actually the the first, it's what's called the proto-gospel. It's like the first declaration of the good news, the gospel message of Jesus. And it's, it's so vague and it's, it's, you can just kind of read over it. And you, you, as you're reading through just the chapters of Genesis, you could just read through that and just breeze on by to the next story. But when you stop and look at it, this is a major declaration of God. So we're going to look at that on Monday. Then on Tuesday, you know, we'll look at the story of the flood, how God's covenant with Noah brought deliverance and shows us the love of God, even in times of judgment. On Wednesday, we we turn our attention to Abraham, 
where God declares his promise to create a people of his own from Abraham to be God's people. Um, this will also be the source of blessing to the whole world. So just in these first three, you can kind of see where these these little shadowy hints of what's going to come in the future with the Messiah. You know, God's going to bring victory over Satan through a promised child of, of Eve, a, a promise of, a you know, a man is going to come and bring this victory. Um, this is going to be a victory that also brings deliverance for God's people. It's going to be um, a victory brought about from someone from the line of Abraham, right? On Thursday, we then turn and look at the Mosaic covenant, the one brought through um, Moses when he delivered the people out of Egypt. This is the covenant that created a way of atoning for sins and showed for generations the, the work that the promised offspring of Eve would do. Because as you look through the law, you see how needed atonement was for the people of Israel, how much it's needed for us. And the blood of animals could never do the atoning work that's needed for our own souls. So all of that points to the atoning work of Jesus. And on Friday, we'll look at God's covenant with David, a king chosen by God to reign over a kingdom of God's people, a king who failed in many ways, but yet who was promised a descendant that would reign forever on the throne. And then on Saturday, we look at the new covenant, the covenant that brings life instead of death and lasts forever. Guys, the covenants are not just interesting bits of biblical history. They show us the amazing work of Christ. They are the promises we hold on to, promises of restoration, of salvation, of belonging, and life. They are the reason Christ came, and they are the reason he's coming again. And, and this week, I, I beg you, slow down a little bit. Make room for this time with the Lord, the one who took it upon himself to do that which we cannot. 